it's the age old story that you and I hear all the time. It's like, you're just depressed. Here's your antidepressant or you're just a new mom. You're just stressed out or you're just getting older. All these maybe well-intentioned reasons, quote unquote, but just because something's common doesn't make it normal. Just because something's your everyday doesn't mean you should normalize it. And people know this. The people that are going through this know this. Like, no, me eating seven foods isn't normal for me. Me having reactions to stuff isn't normal for me. So we have to deal with both the gut and the feeling side, the physiological and psychological to uncover this. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you are meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Have you ever mistrusted your gut? and thought to yourself, oh my goodness, my gut was telling me that I shouldn't pursue that relationship, or my gut was telling me to be cautious, and I wasn't listening. I know I certainly have. The gut has so much to do with our body, our physiology, and our emotions. So there is truly a gut biology connection. And it's really fascinating because in as a always very interested in the research in college, I was a dual major in biology and psychology and a minor in French. And my psychology professor, I was also doing research in psychology and working about 30 hours a week to pay for college. But my psychology professor said, you know, Anna, you are burning the candle at both ends. Choose a major, choose psychology or biology. And I said, how do you separate the two? I said, I can't. So I pursued the double major and I continue to this day to recognize the mind, body, spirit, soul connection and how important it is if we want health, we want healthy relationships. And if we want to really live live a joyful, happy life, you have to understand this mind-body connection. Well, the gut feeling connection is real. It is very real. And I am so thrilled today to share with you the work of Dr. Will Cole and in his new book called Gut Feelings. Dr. Cole is a leading functional medicine expert who specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing a functional medicine approach for thyroid disease, autoimmune conditions, hormonal imbalances, digestive disorders, and more. He's the host of the Art of Being Well podcast, which I'm honored to have been on, and the author of Ketotarian, The Inflammation Spectrum, New York Times bestseller, Intuitive Fasting, and now Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat and How You Feel. So his book comes out March 21st, and I had the pleasure to get a pre-release copy, and I'm so excited to share this interview with you today. I know you will find some really comforting news, as well as next action steps. So let's go ahead. Let's get started. 
Dr. Will Cole, I am so happy to have you on the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Welcome. Thanks, my friend. It's nice to catch up with you. It is great to catch up with you too. And I, I love this book and I love the title, Gut Feelings. And I think there is no time in history that this work, I mean, really, it's a masterpiece. This work has so many implications to really reconnect our, you know, uh, reconnect our intuition, reconnect to our body's wisdom. So, you know, you see so many patients around the world. Tell the story, tell your story about how you have been so compelled to write about this connection. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, my day job is consulting patients at my telehealth center, and we just love what we do. We love working together. Yeah, I, I loved our sessions that we had with you on, on the deep dive case reviews with our patients. And these are what I wrote about in gut feelings are conversations that I have with my patients on a daily basis. And just like with anything else that I've written in the past, they they are born out of my passion for my patients and th things that I've seen be immense needle movers to improve their quality of life and enhance their wellness. So gut feelings is, it was just a matter of time on like, when was the right time for me to have this conversation with people that aren't my patients. So gut feelings is talking about both gut and feelings. It's this bi-directional relationship between mental health and physical health. And I love the normalizing of mental health care, the conversations that people are having, the destigmatizing of it, I think is extremely important. But in many ways, I find that it's an incomplete conversation around mental health care, where mental health is sort of relegated as separate from physical health. But the reality is mental health is physical health. And it's really a functional medicine conversation around mental health and around trauma and around chronic stress and shame and how these mental, emotional, spiritual things impact our physical body. How does it actually impact, how can be literally stored in our cells, impacting methylation, dysregulating your nervous system, raising inflammation levels and impacting our hormones. So it's something that I see paramountly important for my patient's recovery as dealing both with a both and approach on an either or, meaning dealing with both the gut and the feeling side of things, the physical and the psychological, it's just to me uh, essential. And, and to me, and also from my side of things, it's the completion of the conversation around quote unquote mental health. Uh, that's so true. You know, I was having a conversation. I was doing a a, a physician consult today and. He's like, we can't, you know, we're having trouble really balancing this client's hormones, you know, and it's so fascinating because she'd had a hysterectomy and been on hormones, you know, uh, she's just 50, 50, 51 now. She had her hysterectomy in her thirties and she's going through this second, like this, this menopause, even without our ovaries, there's this time frame, Will, that we see another kind of shift in, you know, certainly in hormones, but how that affects our emotions, our mood. So it's beyond the hormones. You know, I like to say it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones, but I've said that we can't fix our hormones. We can't get her balanced without addressing the gut. And I think that's so true. Yeah, it is. It's so true. So it's the, the, the gut side of it is all the physiological stuff that we see that we see with patients, right? It's, it is the underlying gut problems. We see a lot of people that have 
a lot of reactions to foods, different food reactions, like even mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance impacting their mood to chronic infections like mold toxicity. We see a lot chronic Lyme disease. We see a lot how these physiological things, i.e. the gut things impact our mental, emotional health. They impact things like anxiety and depression and irritability and energy levels and things like brain fog. But then conversely, I think the missing piece in many of the conversations, I think within specifically the nutrition world, right, or the the functional medicine world is these mental, emotional, spiritual components of dealing with chronic stress and shame and trauma and intergenerational trauma, how those things impact these physical things as well. So yeah, it's, it's important. And we need to realize that to have a conversation about anxiety, depression, brain fog, and fatigue, we need to look at both of these sides of the coin. You know, you had me at your first, the first paragraph in your book, and I want to read that. So in Dr. Will Cole's book, in his uh, first chapter, his book titled Gut Feelings, you guys write that down, Gut Feelings. I mean, you should remember it, go with your gut on this, but you're going to want to get this book. His first paragraph, it, he writes, it's been said that gut feelings are guardian angels. They provide that deep knowing, discerning intuition that has guided and protected you throughout your life. They are the ineffable inner sixth sense with its still small voice, giving you the visceral understanding that it has your back. Gut feelings, trust your gut, and gut instinct are all sentiments with ancient origins. Somehow, humanity has always known that the gut is the seat of the soul, and today in our modern world, we know that at our very creation, when we were in our mother's womb, our gut and brain were formed from the same tissue, inextricably woven together for the rest of our life in sacred union. I mean, like, they, what's the expression? You got me at hello? I mean, that was like, <laughs> yes, this needs to be said. This needs to be shared. And in your book, you talk about shame flammation and this connection between stress, post-traumatic you know, post -traumatic stress, everyday stress, stress our gut feelings, our emotions, the shame flammation, and you know, how that just the, these talk about this, share with our, my audience, please. And me explain yeah. that. Yeah. So it's, it's a core part of many of my patients puzzle, right. Of how they, they're maybe doing all the things, right. They're, they're taking the right supplements or doing the right exercise or eating the right foods. But this, what I talk about is the shame flammation concept I mean, talk about the actual research in the scientific literature about shame itself and how it really contributes to that sympathetic fight or flight stressed state, even on a background level, that sort of that background anxiety, that background dread that many people just find themselves living in every day. It's, it's just like, it's just, it's so common that they normalize it, but it's beyond just that just shame itself directly, but all the things that come around shame, right? When you're talking about trauma, there's a lot of shame around trauma and chronic stress and reaching out for help or even having help. But these mental, emotional, spiritual things are immensely important to physical health. So all of that, those things I just mentioned, trauma, intergenerational trauma, shame, chronic stress, these things have been shown in the research to increase inflammation levels in the body and spike things like high sensitivity C-reactive protein and these different interleukins, these inflammatory proteins that are the commonality between just about every health problem under the sun. And again, you could be eating, ch ch chugging your whole food smoothie and, and, you know, drinking 
uh, kombucha, like tea, all the wellnessy stuff that you're trying to do. But if you're serving your body a big slice of shame every day, big chunk of stress every day, that's sabotaging your health just as much as that food that doesn't love you back. So people need to realize that, I mean, people maybe they know these negative emotions are not good, right, for their health, but it's a lot, it's a bigger conversation to have because it's prescriptive for me to say, okay, these foods are the most likely to drive inflammation, decreasing those. In, focus on those foods. Those foods, those are foods that love you back and calm inflammation. Focus on this. It's more nebulous to talk about these big concepts big topics like trauma and even intergenerational trauma, you can't just say don't have the trauma or don't stress or don't have shame. So really to talk about the practices in there that have been shown to be effective with time and consistency and the right supporters in your corner to really uncover them. Because I see these are the things that are keeping people back. Like they're stuck at this plateau. Maybe they're 50% better, 60% better doing all the other things, but they're not, there's missing components here. What's keeping the body inflamed? What's keeping the nervous system dysregulated in that sympathetic fight or flight stress state? Well, this concept of shame inflammation is definitely a missing piece that I find in my many of my patients' journey. Can you share a story about when working through this, these gut feelings, and how you you know work with your patients? Sure. Yeah, I mean, one that comes to mind in in many ways, she's sort of a it's a very common story that, and I have to just talk about this, it, it's, I'm coming from a different angle when I'm talking about this concept of orthorexia. And I orthorexia, for people that don't know it, it's disordered eating around healthy foods. There's people that get orthorexia through different means, right? But many of my patients, they have different autoimmune issues, different inflammatory problems, different methylation gene variants that make their body more sensitive, let's just say, or hypervigilant to different things. And they didn't set out to be orthorexic, right? They didn't set out to be like a supermodel and wanting a real thin body. Like they're not interested necessarily in these more superficial things. They want to look healthy and be healthy and, and feel confident, but it's almost, they know it's a natural byproduct of radiant wellness. That, that's the point I want to make here is there are people that are just trying to, do, trying to do right things. And then they find themselves having reactions to healthy foods where, you know, it's the salad that's causing the bloating or it's the random nuts and seeds that are causing digestive problems. And like all the things that they were quote unquote supposed to do, they're having flare ups from it. So then they end up having to have like five foods that they're whittled down to nothing. And mm -hmm. they end up having a lot of, in addition to the physical trauma of having flare ups from these foods, they can, there's this mental emotional component of never wanting to feel like that again, right? So they've like whittled their, their food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner down to seven things that there's this sort of inadvertent backdoor orthorexia that can happen because there's a lot of stress and shame and uh, obsession in some ways around food and around their body. And they feel like food isn't their friend, food has turned on them, and in their body has turned on them. And as they talk about it in the book, like if you even think about the concept of autoimmunity and what's happening on a physiological level, it's it's molecular mimicry, right? The immune system, the researchers say, the, the verbiage that's used many times is the immune system has lost recognition of self. And that's happening on a physical level. But I think how much of that 
is also happening on a mental, emotional, spiritual level is losing recognition of self. And it's like, there's so much confusion. There's so much disillusionment. There's so much like overwhelm about all of this stuff. Like what's, what's up and what's down and, and nothing makes sense. So there's a lot of shame inflammation around that. And to get grab someone by the hand proverbially and pull them out of that dark space is a heavy work, as you know, uh, but it's a sacred responsibility. But that's what I wanted to really uncover in the book of what's happening, because I think there's a whole sea of people that they are in many ways, there's a lot of medical gaslighting for these people. They try to get answers. They sort of immerse themselves in Dr. Google, but they go to the doctor and it's the age old story that you and I hear all the time. It's like, you're just depressed. Here's your antidepressant, or you're just a new mom. You're just stressed out, or you're just getting older. All these maybe well-intentioned reasons, quote unquote, but just because something's common doesn't make it normal. Just because something's your everyday doesn't mean you should normalize it. And people know this. The people that are going through this know this. Like, no, me eating seven foods isn't normal for me. Me having reactions to stuff isn't normal for me. So we have to deal with both the gut and the feeling side, the physiological and psychological to uncover this. So like I'm talking about one person's coming to mind that she was going through this, but that's sadly an everyday Many occurrence people. that I see with new patients. Yeah. And so how do you approach her? What do you do? Well, it starts with a comprehensive health history, which I know you and I have talked about this on a clinical level. It's just, we we ask a lot of questions. I had one <laughs> older gentleman years ago, and I still think of him, and he had to have been in his 90s. And he said, he looked at all the questions we asked of him. And he said, are you in the KGB <laughs> of all the questions you have? Like, you got no, to be a good, I would say, the, <laughs> I like to consider myself the Nancy Drew, right? Of, of this. Yeah, you're the Sherlock Holmes, for sure. Yeah, right. And not in the KGB. But I, I wanted, <laughs> I want to look at things that haven't been looked at. So we look, every applicate, every health history form we have looks at the physiological and the psychological. So we're looking at gut health and even back to when they were born and how they were born, if they were breastfed or not breastfed, what was their job history, all of these things that are maybe granular or like people think it's out of, it certainly is out of the ordinary, but what they're trying to make the connection as they're filling it out. Like, why are you asking me these strange questions? But it's all meaningful. It's the story of you. It's how you got here. And all of these things cumulatively over time can be contributing factors and should be looked at. Not everything's a big deal, but we need to understand what are the components to it. And the feeling side of it, we have adverse childhood experiences score that I talk about in the book and how these really formative years of our life and talking about very heavy stuff like sexual trauma and physical abuse and alcohol or and drug use in the home growing up, mental health issues in the home growing up, were your parents fighting a lot? And the higher the A score we know from studies, they're more likely to have these autoimmune issues triggered later on in life. They're more likely to have these different hypervigilant nervous system issues later on in life. But you can't, back, back to that sort of nebulous concept, I can't undo all of that right away, right? But it's this process of untangling this sort of entanglement that's keeping their their body in this dysfunction. So uh, that's where it starts, health history and then labs and really then pr implementing practices both on a gut and a feeling side. And I summarized in the book, there's a 21 day protocol for people to kind of see, 
a gut action item and a feelings action item. And they were just basically 42 of my favorite, most effective tools within the toolbox that I've seen work for patients. So for one day for on a gut action item, there's really focusing on nourishing soups and stews. And I talk about a GAPS protocol, a gut and psychology syndrome, a gut and physiology syndrome, and how that's very can be grounding for somebody that has a lot of reactions. But then I bring these sort of caveats, right? That some people have histamine intolerance and can't really do this sort of longer brood broths where we have to do like a lower histamine, histamine friendly soup option. So we give lots of recipe ideas and meal, meal options. And on a feeling side, it may be talking about breath work, or it may talk about EMDR therapy and the research around that, or it may have, we talk about self-compassion and the research around self-compassion. Um, basically, people that have higher self-compassion scores have lower inflammation levels. So really practicing these self-compassion practices over the course of the time. And not to say, and I, I say this directly in the book, but in 21 days, you're not going to be undone. Uh, you're not going to be healed of intergenerational trauma or past trauma, but you're going to at least have explored tools for you to stay consistent with and really be a springboard, hopefully, for your healing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things with ACEs, so adverse, adverse childhood experiences, is that I noted that, you know, research has also verified that they, women who have had adverse childhood experiences have a significantly harder time with menopause, perimenopause and beyond. And I would say, you know, like progesterone is the the lid of the pressure cooker, right? And progesterone plummets and off goes the lid of the pressure cooker. And it feels like you're, you know, you're exploding essentially this pressure cooker of emotions and everything that's mm-hmm. been, you know, what is happening there? Like what uh, progesterone is a neuroprotective hormone. That's kind of like that, that protective, but this, there's been this brew of, of what, whatever it is causing this autoimmunity. And I have an expression that we, we love in my girlfriend, doctor community It's self love is your highest frequency, self love. And I would say self-compassion is your highest frequency, but this pressure cooker from adverse childhood experiences causing, you know, sometimes often autoimmune issues, this destruction of the self. Mm-hmm. It's hard to comprehend how something so long ago can affect us many years later. Yeah. And it's cumulative, right? It's like many people, they didn't have some, I mean, we have a lot of children and adolescent patients. I mean, autoimmune issues are happening earlier and earlier, sadly. But for many people, it is that tipping point, like something was a tipping point and they may not know what the tipping point was. It may be out of thin, you know, air, so to speak. I mean, to them, uh, they don't see it, you know, or it may be, you know, it, it be maybe obvious, like it may be a stressful time in their life that they went through. It may be going through a divorce. It may be childbirth for some people. It may be a virus uh, for some people. It may be a toxic moldy home for some people. It may be, you know, some environmental toxin that set it off, but so we have to deal with the physiological stuff, maybe the mold toxins, the environmental toxins, getting the gut healthy or dealing with the reactive vi- reactivated virus. That's all the gut stuff that I'm referring to. We talk about that in the book, but the feeling stuff, like that was a good ingredient. So the analogy is sort of that bucket analogy, right? We all have different buckets to have handle stressors and some people have small buckets, some people have bigger buckets. And that's the things that we also quantify in labs, like the methylation gene variants or the HLA gene variants. Like what's your body's 
bucket size or threshold for junk and stressors. We can't change our bucket size, but we can change what we put in it. And mm -hmm. that's sort of, you need to empty the bucket of the gut and the feeling stuff. That's really it just regulating the body. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So the tipping point, what overflows that bucket, it's not the only thing in the bucket. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people have to go upstream to like, what are the things that have been in the bucket for a long time that are resurfacing because I've kind of hit my threshold. And the more we empty that bucket, the more healing that can happen. Mm. You know, you talk about uh, intergenerational trauma. Explain that. So, I mean, it sounds science fi fiction, but transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma is actually very well researched in the scientific literature. There was a uh, two, two of the main world events, geopolitical things that happened that have been explored in, in the studies around this concept has to do with the Ukrainian genocide or famine. It was actually a man-made famine from the Soviet Union, of course. Joseph Stalin was basically trying to starve mm -hmm. and wipe out the Ukrainian people. I mean, it, history is repeating itself now, really. But the... Um, what happened is gen two, three generations later, they were able to really find that these experiences of people's grandparents that went through this genocide, this man-made famine are passed down, sort of like epigenetic heirlooms in some ways, where they're more prone to autoimmunity or type 2 diabetes or a hypervigilant nervous system or this anxiety disorder, autoimmune problems. And similar studies were done during uh, over the um, descendants of people that went through the Holocaust. Similar methylation expression because of the experiences of their ancestors, their great 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 grandparents and great grandparents. So again, science is catching up with antiquity. I think it, you look at a lot of different traditional philosophies around generational curses, if you want to call them a generate generational experiences. There's a lot of spiritual schools that talk about this and real science is just beginning to uncover the connection of who we are. And that's an even bigger topic because these are things that we didn't ask for that we have to like kind of look back and heal from. But look, I see people up against seemingly insurmountable things. And just as trauma can be inherited, so can healing. And I see people mm -hmm. break the chains exactly. yes. of pain, break the chains of dis-ease, break the chains of dysfunction by what can you do today? And then I think of the beauty of all of this, like they're healing themselves, but they're not, they're healing their children and their children's children and people they'll never get to meet. Like the great, great, great grandchildren they never get to meet because of their choices. So it's about that redemption that I find extremely beautiful and extremely hopeful, I get, I think, for all of us. Oh, I think just like the intergenerational trauma can be inherited, so can the resilience. Yeah. And I, that's powerful and that's hopeful and that we can break those chains, so to speak, break that mm -hmm. sequence. We can be the last in the line of that intergenerational trauma. And so your book goes into this with the practices as well as the nutrition and the lifestyle and how critically important it is with this, like this intergenerational trauma, like, you know, do you even have to know that there was intergenerational trauma or do you like just, okay, now what can we do for myself? Not knowing, say adopted, whatever the situation, not knowing what your past was or what your lineage is. 
to be in this present moment. You can be struggling with that, suffering from that. Now, how do you heal for that without knowing? I think that on a subconscious level, some of these practices that I talk about in the book, you really, you may not know all the ins and outs. You probably won't know all the ins and outs, but intuitively you're going to feel the heaviness and intuitively you're also going to feel it lift when you start processing it and metabolizing these traumas. When I talk about the research around different somatic experiences and breath work and meditation practices, EMDR, people can really sort of cathartically metabolize stuff. They don't even know where it came from. So yes, most commonly it came from their past, right? It's the things that they're untangling. But many people will report things that they don't even have physical memories of that they're letting go. And I have to assume that intergenerational is playing at least a part of what's going on there. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, just think about it. That's, I mean, that's so powerful. You know, one thing in, you know, post my trauma and working in groups, group therapy and setting boundaries and codependency and all these different groups, I remember sitting in a group and we were asking, well, how do you feel today? And one of my friends, long time, very successful woman, she just paused. She's like, I don't even know how I feel. I don't think I can't remember the last time I felt like if you're at that stage, you are numb, right? Because you've had to put on a face, a mask, so to speak, and you're not even in touch with your feelings. Like, how do you get in touch with these gut feelings? Well, that's interesting. You verbalized it like that. I mean, it's similar to, I mean, I, obviously I don't know that person's actual case, but we talk about the polyvagal theory in the book and how these different vagal stages or phases that are described in polyvagal theory for people that are not, you know, it's a good way of describing how trauma can be stored in the body. And the vagus nerve is the one of the largest nerves in the body. Yeah, right? talk I've, about this because, you know, the vagus yeah. nerve and oxytocin and all that. I love, uh, yeah. I love this research around it. Yeah, exactly. So it translates as the wanderer, the wandering nerve. So it's one of the largest nerves in the body. It's the largest cranial nerve in the body. And it really is a master innervator and regulator of our parasympathetic resting, digesting, hormone balanced, I feel freaking amazing state of our autonomic nervous system. So when someone's feeling that sort of aspect of the vagal tone, they have poor vagal tone, and they're having this sort of hypervigilant nervous system because that sympathetic it's sort of a seesaw and that parasympathetic is that resting, digesting hormone balance state is inhibited. It's weaker because of this prolonged activation of the sympathetic fight or flight stress state. Now they're both important. Like there's sympathetic is not bad. We need that. We would be like not here as a species without healthy strength uh, of a sympathetic tone. The problem is just, just it's a lack of nervous system regulation. And person, I, I see people like this where they'll say, I don't feel anything or I'm kind of sort of numb to it. And they're just so used to feeling a certain way. They don't know anything else that they're sort of just coping and getting by and not really they're just used to that dysregulated state. So I think that there's a lot of entry points, right? To, the, to answer that question, there's a lot of entry points. But, and I think this is why I put the protocol in the book the way that I did, because I think people's, everybody's entry point's going to be different. For some people, the gut physical stuff is a good entry point. For some people, the feeling stuff is a good entry point. Because when you're in that state, a vagal, like hyper, like a lack of healthy vagal tone, 
things can be overwhelming quite a bit and you kind of do this sort of paralysis of analysis or it's just like ignore it and you think it's too much for you. But when you start getting your head above that proverbial water, you have more resilience to lean into things that will continue get you to get you out of the woods that you're in. So the point of saying is that for some people, they cannot touch the intergenerational trauma, past trauma, shame, stress stuff. They just it's too much for them and they don't even want to go there and they'll either tell you that or they don't even know it's an issue. And, but, you know, if you focus on foods that love them back and sort of good, good gut healing, uh, nourishing things to calm inflammation levels and work on their gut health, that's going to start getting their head above water. So they'll have more of a bandwidth and a resilience to lean into the breath work, to untangle that trauma or to sort of somatically metabolize the trauma that's going on there and for other people the nutrition stuff is completely overwhelming where it's like they need to start with just some breath work and meditation to get some sort of center and gravity to handle the gut stuff to handle that food changes and the, the nutrition stuff of it all so it depends on the person and that's the science and art of what we do with patients right and it's kind of meeting the person where we're at so i can't be there in person for all the readers of the book, but I wanted to show them entry points for people to implement and be consistent with these practices. I think that's such a great explanation is that, okay, we have both. We've got to address the feeling and we've got to address the physical. So we've got to address the emotional and we've got to address the physical. The physical can be causing that you know, overflow in that toxic bucket and, you know, that overwhelm. So getting that inflammation down, which toxic emotions are creating inflammation. So by getting that inflammation down, you now have capacity to handle more, do the exercise, do what you can with the exercises. Eventually they'll come into balance. They'll come into, mm -hmm. you know, they'll, they'll work together. They'll work hand in hand to get that synergistic rapid result that's if you because i've noted in fact in my girlfriend doctor club today will we have my girlfriend doctor club call and one of the women one of my participants she said dr anna you know i i did great with keto green 16 I'm, i lost 10 pounds in 16 days i feel better than i have in years and then you know life resumed and I'm back to my sugar cravings. I'm back to this. And I said, those are the ruts in the road. We have to figure, I'm going to give her your book. We have to figure out like why, what's serving you? What is the mm -hmm. sugar doing? How is that serving you? How is, what's the emotional component that's keeping you down mm -hmm. that path or stuck in these ruts? Because it's so true. It's true in my own life. I mean, I, I like to visualize, I'm a visual learner. So you think of a you know muddy road I'm hauling horses with and you get your tire tracks with these big rivets in it, right? Now you're just gonna, you know, follow that path time and time again. So you've got to pave that over. You can do the physical, but unless you do that emotional component, you're not gonna be able to take a different path. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so true. And, and and it's the both and approach there will start to untangle these things. And they're both important. And I see, and then question I have around that topic, some people ask me, well, what's more important, right? And for, it's going to depend on who you're talking to. Like for some people, their A score is super low, like their adverse childhood experience score is low. And it's not just about the A's, but we also have to talk about like what happened after childhood too. We can miss things if we just focus on childhood, mm -hmm. but it's maybe their chronic stress and trauma scores are low and it is more physiological that we need to work on. 
And for some people, their scores are so high in the trauma levels and the physiological stuff is mostly driven by the, the mental, emotional, spiritual stuff. So that's where a health history context but look, as the reader of the book or anybody that's wanting to have self-agency over these things, that's why I really wanted to walk people a functional medicine approach to how to see these things so they can sort of learning intuitively how you can start to heal that gut feeling connection. Because as you mentioned, like the opening of the book, they are guardian angels, but so so much of us are sort of disconnected from that because we don't know what is even like what's north, what's south, like what's right, what's wrong for me, because there's so much confliction on the inside. And then there's so much confliction on the outside as far as like what to believe in Dr. Google land. Well, and it's so true. Like we've been inundated with information, misinformation or disinformation, disease causing information that we get lost, right? So here we have our gut feeling saying, oh, well, you know, like I'm eating this way, but for example, histamine, Hist you want, do you want to explain what histamine is, histamine reactions? Yeah. And we're seeing a lot more of them now than ever. Yeah, right. And I really believe that it's come, and I talk about this at length in the book, but it's just, I think we're coming to a head, a precipice in our society where there's a reckoning. There's basically, there's a mass bucket overflowing, a tipping point that's happening in our culture and it's coming to a head. And it has to do with both the gut and the feeling side of it. I think there's a mass amount of environmental toxin component of it when you're talking about things like glyphosate and mold toxicity and sick homes and the foods that we're eating and all of that stuff, right? But this collective, but also personal trauma piece is also a major part of it. And then we are seeing histamines, which are a normal part of our immune system, now in happening in such a hypervigilant way that's impacting the brain is rich with these histamine receptor sites and they actually impact the way that neurotransmitters are signaling. So things like serotonin and dopamine and acetylcholine are being impacted in part at least because of the, the histamine response. And the end result, like the more egregious extreme version of that is known as mast cell activation syndrome, but it exists as most of these things on a spectrum mm -hmm. where there can just be, we can quantify this on the lab is higher histamine levels in the body or lower levels of diamine oxidase, uh, the enzyme that breaks down histamines. But what is mast cell activation syndrome? What's histamine intolerance associated with? Things like SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, i.e. a gut problem, mm -hmm. mold toxicity, because mold toxins can decrease that migrating motor complex, i.e. the gut-brain axis, the vagus nerve aspect of our body, and trauma. All three of those things, biotoxins and, and gut problems and trauma, are really what's contributing to these things. So you really, and then you go to, the, to your general whatever GP and they... They, they're with the best of intentions, see, some, see, see, see someone with anxiety or depression, and they just give them a medication, not even dealing with why they have the problem in the first place. They're not even talking about the trauma piece. They're not talking about the underlying gut problems. They're not talking about the environmental toxin problem. So this is such a huge problem in our culture. And there's nothing, no shame on people where medications are a tool within their toolbox for a time, not at all. But there's a lot of people that are doing everything their doctor is telling them to do, but they're still spinning their wheels. 
And that's who I'm talking to. Um, the people that are, there's so much, well, you're taking the medication, you still have problems, you must, you know, there's something broken in you basically. And they're just referred to from doctor to doctor and made to feel like they're crazy. They're not crazy. And people, you know, that I, I said this in the book, but I think it's important to say here is that, you know, certain physicians will say, don't confuse your Google search for my medical degree. I would say to the person that's so often medically gaslit, don't confuse their medical degree with your, you knowing your body. And I want people to have that empowerment to advocate for themselves. Uh, no, I love that. And then that, again, getting in touch with your gut feelings and also the intuition piece. And, you know, in the book, you highlight the gut brain, the gut is the second brain, the gut, and you go into the physiology of that a bit, but so I mean, that's powerful. And the gut is the second brain. So when we can tap into that wisdom and that knowledge that, you know, when I traveled around the world in part of my own healing journey, I, I learned from different healers, from a Native American shaman and Andean philosopher, an Indonesian medicine man. And 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 one thing they all said, it's a very different cultures, no interrelationship, right? They're not communicating. And they all said the same thing. They said the breast hold the energy of relationships, the mm. liver fear, sorry, liver anger, the pancreas guilt, the kidneys fear. And each of them said it in their own way, but it was the same thing. And when you, you know, as a physician trained in Western medicine, it, you know, after hearing it the third time, I'm like, huh, this must be something to this, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that trusting that, again, trusting that inner voice to say, hmm, maybe I need to investigate this a little more. So tell our audience where they can get your book, Gut Feelings. I know it's March 21st. It'll be out March 21st, but you guys want to pre-order this book and dig into it because this isn't being explained. won't be part of our medical school curriculum for, you know, I don't know, I hope soon, but probably not a decade or so. So get this yeah. information in your hands and get this empowerment and do the exercises together, the connection piece. And I love Love that you put put this in there. So tell our audience what their next right step. Thank you so much. So yeah, so we have all the pre-order stuff at drwillcool.com. Just go to the gut feelings page. But we have we're giving away tons of free stuff when people pre-order. There's going to be a three-week online mastermind with myself. Oh wow, you guys, that's yeah. golden. That is golden. I, I'm Get so that. excited about it. like all the things that uh, you know you it, it the book is is a lot of stuff, but there's stuff as a clinician that uh, we can geek out on that you can't always put everything in a book. So the mastermind will be able to cover in, co uh, cover in that. And you get a sneak peek of the book right now. There's recipes, pretty pictures that you can get downloads right now. The recipes in the book, these sort of gut healing recipes. And there is, uh, we're giving away tons of free stuff. So check it out. There's so much stuff that I can't even say right now for these gut feeling VIP insiders. It's completely free when you pre-order the book. Oh, that's what it was. It's there, there's a quiz that I adapted from questions that I ask patients. So it's it's not in the book. It's only at, at drwillcole.com. It's completely free, but it's it's adapted from these questionnaires that I ask my patients of sort of measuring your shame inflammation. You can kind of see how's my microbiome mood access health. What should I be doing to nourish my gut feeling connection? So that's at drwillcole.com too. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go take that quiz. We love quizzes. Measure <laughs> your shame inflammation. Uh, measure your shame inflammation. D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Dr. Will Cole is also a very humble man. He is the sought after 
functional medicine physician to many celebrities. There's a long list of names we could drop, but very, very popular, powerful people are, you are their go-to, go-to and transformed health, you know, transforming their health and wellness. And I really think that what you're bringing to the world with this, you know, this juncture between the gut and the feelings, putting these pieces into play, it's, I mean, it's powerful. It is healing work. And I thank you for doing it. I know it's, it's so, it's a labor of love to bring a book, to birth a book. It is. Okay. It's a yeah. labor of love. Thank you for doing it. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Thank you, everyone. You guys check that out. Dr. Will Cole, D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E, drwillcole.com. Go pre-order the book and get those extra bonuses. The mastermind that he's doing, I mean, I'm going to see me in there. Most likely you will see me in there. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait. And the exercises, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a pre-release copy. So digging into those today, because everything that we can do, you know, I've had trauma. We've all had trauma. You can't get to midlife without having some trauma, some grief. And um, and there's a constant healing. We don't want to get stuck in the ruts, right? Like I think about my dually truck and horse trailer trying to pull that out of the mud. And it can feel like that sometimes. So it's like the, you know, the rising tide floats all boats. We can do this together, build healthy community. And the more we learn about ourselves, about our body's innate ability to heal, the more we can live the life that you are completely entitled to live. So with joy, prosperity, lots of laughter, lots of fun, and optimal health. There's a great proverb that says, when you have your health, you have a thousand wishes. When you don't have your health, you have but one. So I wish you all a thousand wishes and the best of health. Till next time. <laughs>